0: This is for Report 69 on Micro Private Equity. Let's start by talking about why this topic matters. Micro Private Equity centers around buying businesses instead of building from scratch. And in this way, you're taking advantage of the fact that you can make more money, but you can't make more time. So you're using a renewable asset money to buy a non renewable asset time. In the report, you'll find examples of Micro Private Equity funds, marketplaces to buy and sell businesses, as well as brokers. The first prediction is that we'll see more financing options. We're also seeing third-party analytics tools like Stripe, Google Analytics, and Jungle Scout bring more transparency and trustworthiness to the due diligence process. And this has a few knock-on effects. One is the increase in multiples where transparency reduces risk and friction, which also reduces returns. And that comes in the form of higher multiples. So you're paying a higher price for these assets. We'll also see a higher deal velocity, meaning that businesses are being bought and sold faster than ever. The best example may be open store. When you look at the fact that they're making one day offers on Shopify stores, that goes back uh, to the fact that operations, valuations, all of these things can be understood by the standardization of these businesses as well as the third party tools that allow buyers to trust by proxy and allows for much faster due diligence. We'll also see more individuals compete with micro private equity funds for deals where Yarrow bought Playgroup directly off of Twitter, Henry bought Push Last, and both of these people bought these companies with their own capital. We'll also see more search funds where this concept is about 30 years old You can think of a search fund as a group of individuals who pull capital to buy a business and operate that business. If you're familiar with the idea of a SPAC, which is a public company that doesn't have material operations, it's simply a vehicle to acquire a private company and bring that private company public through this vehicle. In this way, you're pulling this capital, but the business will actually stay private and be operated for those returns. We'll also see more agencies move into the software space not by building but buying instead especially marketing agencies where they're used to growing client businesses and adding equity value for them without participating in that equity upside we'll also see more entrepreneurs simply buy distribution and then clone code and index in the markets you can think of girl boss this way where they have massive distribution through their email list and a good presence on social media and there are marketplaces springing up like sell my app and zero code where you can actually buy the code for popular apps. And we know that distribution in most cases matters much more than product, especially in these fragmented markets where it's more important to have a proprietary channel. One to opportunities where the first opportunity is to use a playbook to force appreciation and SureSwift has a checklist that they work through to add value post-acquisition. Some things that you may look at uh, to force appreciation is around raising prices, using paid ads if they weren't used before, improving SEO, automating workflows, renegotiate vendor fees if you're using expensive software, looking for opportunities to either bring those expenses down or switch to cheaper alternatives. You could also look at optimizing conversion rates or renegotiating affiliate commissions. On the opposite end, if you have a content site, for example, and you drive a lot of traffic to a D2C brand or some other company, are there opportunities to renegotiate some of those affiliate commissions that you're getting there? You could also look at consolidating non-core competencies like accounting where these functions matter, but businesses often aren't competing on how well they do accounting. It's just a necessary operation that can probably be abstracted at the fund level. Another opportunity is to find off-market deals. We're going back to Yarrow and Playgroup where he found that opportunity off of Twitter. David from Calm Capital reached out to the Wave team long before they ended up acquiring that company. You could also look at popular yet inactive products off of Product Hunt and reaching out to those makers to see if they're interested in selling. Most of those opportunities that you find will be pre-revenue, but do you have a business that you can take that distribution that they may have and then bolt that onto a product uh, that already has product market fit and you simply have a proprietary distribution channel. You could also look at building a portfolio of businesses that target the same type of customer. And then this way you'll spread customer acquisition costs and actually boost your customer lifetime value. Some examples include Conversion Bear, which focuses on Shopify plugins, also, Motive, which focuses on WordPress plugins, and ElfSite, which does the same for Webflow. You can also look at finding a niche where not only do you become this social lightning rod for deals that you like to buy, where you've built a reputation for buying a certain type of asset, but you're also streamlining how you value these assets, how you do due diligence, you know where to look for problems, as well as streamlining operations. And this is why we're seeing a lot of FBA businesses being rolled up because operationally they're similar in terms of how to value them and which KPIs matter. And that's different than if you were looking to build a portfolio of FBA businesses, agencies, a bakery, all different types of businesses, it's harder to build that muscle up because you're not necessarily getting these reps in in one asset class. If you have a services business, you can also start to look at redirecting some of that cash to a software business or another business model where service businesses tend to suffer from the fact that as they grow, they may do more volume, but they're actually becoming less capital efficient over time due to coordination costs, where software companies tend to have positive scale effects where you're not making this trade-off between growth and margins. And this is a way Uh, that you can actually get higher quality revenue. Uh, And this goes back to this idea in this essay that I reference a lot from Nathan Berry called The Ladders of Wealth Creation. You could also look at building important habits as an investor Uh, and really treating this like a craft. So how many deals will you evaluate each day? How many owners will you reach out to or cold email? And you're building this mental map of the market. What are the multiples? How fast are things selling these days? And I linked to an essay about Warren Buffett in terms of how he really practices and treats investing like a craft. The next two opportunities go together and they're around deal flow, where if you don't want to get directly involved in buying companies, there are still ways to get involved in micro private equity. One being to build a data as a service company to help others find deals. And in the report we link to deal feed as an example of this, another opportunity is to build a productized service to help others with deal flow and deal flow as a service from Trash Panda Capital is an example of that. The last opportunity is around joining a community of peers, where going it alone is hard. If you're joining a group of people who are after the same things, they may share useful resources or tools that they come across. And at the very least, you'll benefit from the ambient inspiration of being around a group of people who want the same things that you do. And a few people that I talked to for this report pointed us to a community called Chief Operators, which we link to in the report if you're interested in that. On to key lessons, where the first key lesson is to buy instead of build to save time, where we talked about a non-renewable asset time versus renewable assets such as money. There's this term that I came across called acquisition entrepreneurship, and it does a good job of describing what we're talking about here. Another opportunity is to start small and then level up where early on you may prioritize learning over earning and you're just trying to avoid the risk of ruin while learning and getting some of those lessons and reps in with some skin in the game. We can also circle back to talk about the importance of a niche where you're not only becoming the social lightning rod for these deals, for people sending deals to you because you've built this reputation, but again, you can also streamline your operations, how you value these businesses, and perhaps even having an edge in terms of what you plan to do with them and the ways that you plan to force appreciation. So perhaps in a competitive market, you can outbid others because you see potential that they don't see for that asset. Next up, we'll talk about different types of risk and this list of risks will not be exhaustive, but these are some things to think about as you look at different deals. One is on platform risk in terms of how easy is it for a platform to disrupt your operations or take your business out completely. And before we've talked about this idea of platform risk as a spectrum, even non-internet businesses have platform risk because effectively governments are platforms. It's only a question of how much platform risk Do you have and how do you price that into this deal that you're going to do? Another type of risk to look at is market risk. And if you're buying a business that's post revenue, this is less of a concern. If you're buying a pre revenue business, this is more of a concern. Perhaps you're just buying proprietary distribution Uh, And then you plan to bolt that on uh, to another asset that's already been monetized and has product market fit. We could also look at execution risk in terms of how hard is it to operate this business. Real estate could be on the low end of execution risk where this is a very Lindy market and there are playbooks around operating real estate compared to an AI startup like Neuralink for example, where this is being done for the first time and you're trying to build a brain to computer interface that involves a lot of execution risk. Another thing to look at is competitor risk in terms of how competitive is this market that you're entering and do you retain pricing power because you don't have a lot of competition or is this more of a commodities business because there's so much competition which strips you of that pricing power. We could also look at key person risk. How essential is one person or a small group of people to operating this business? Has it been systematized to a point where no one person is critical to running this business? You can think about Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan Show. His name is in the show. He's the host of the show. There's a lot of key person risks there. And this may be a valuable business, but it may not be a very sellable business. And the last type of risk that we'll look at is around customer concentration. How much of the revenue for this business is made up from one customer or a small group of customers? In this way, you sort of run into a different flavor of platform risk where you have this high concentration of power in the hand of one customer or a small group of customers in the same way that you have a lot of power concentrated in one platform. There are different types of risks that we could look at, but those are just a few that we chose to dig into in this report. Another key lesson is to start preparing your business for sale long before you list it. So if there are unnecessary expenses that you can cut without affecting revenue, you could go ahead and do that early to show potential buyers that this business is more capital efficient instead of trying to tell them you can fetch a higher price for your business. The next key lesson goes back to what we talked about earlier around starting small. And this says not to start too small, making sure that the investment that you make in this business is meaningful to you. And if it's important for the business to sustain itself, uh, to make sure that that quality is present in this asset. And the reason why we're talking about this is it's possible for a business to have revenue, but to have net negative cash flows. So if the business has to sustain itself, Uh, that's a reason why you may not want to start too small and the last key lesson is around being someone that the seller wants to work with especially in markets like this that tend to be frothy it's common for sellers to take a marginally less lucrative offer to work with someone that they actually enjoy working with on the sale Next up we have haters where the hater comments all revolve around multiples and the statement that was made earlier in predictions about multiples increasing. The first hater says that multiples are only high because credit is widely available. And this is true. And it's also true that credit cycles ebb and flow, but the transparency gains, the reduction in friction that come from these third party tools that are allowing buyers to trust by proxy, those benefits won't recede. So, Yes, will credit dry up? Yes, eventually things move in cycles, but the lows won't be as low as they otherwise would without the transparency from these third-party tools and that reduction in risk that we get, and also the reduction in returns that will result from that. Another hater says that more sellers will enter the market and lower multiples. And this is true, that as prices go up, more sellers will enter the market, but you have to ask yourself, Is the skill set to go zero to one scarcer than capital? And I believe that it is, which results in a net increase in multiples. Another hater says that multiples are not increasing. Actually, prices are just becoming more accurate. And both of these can be true, that more accurate prices mean higher prices. And this is the way the accuracy is manifesting in this case where inefficiencies are being removed, transparency is being brought to the market. So you have lower risk and you also have lower returns. I'd like to thank everyone who helped out with this report, including David from Com Capital, Rick from Crag Angel Group, Natwar from Engineering Brew, Ross from Trash Panda Capital, Jeremy from Spiffy, Mushvik from the website Flipping Newsletter, Ray from Sustained Ventures, Lou from OS Bundle, Abby from Samkia, Stefan from Alternative Assets, Now from Concrete Capital, Thomas from FE International. This wraps it up for Report 69 on Microprivate Equity. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to your thoughts.